What's new? Every time I come down to Florida, I'm reminded of my father. As I was saying to you uh, folks last week, um, that uh, my father had a place in Hollywood for 35 years before he passed away in 2005. So many, for many years, I, I would come down uh, to visit him during the winter. But I don't think there was ever a day that my dad was down in Florida or um, that I didn't talk to my father. And um, it, when I was back uh, home in Canada, I'd call him. And you know what he'd always say? Once he'd said, hi, son, how are you? What's new? And you know what? I find myself doing that now. I'm much like my father, you know? What's new? And uh, if you ask Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, he'd say there's nothing new under the sun. But that's not true, is it? Um, there's a lot of things that are new. And this verse sort of springs us into that word, isn't it? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's true, isn't it? Uh, when you know the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking on Tuesday, uh, Rosie and I will have been married 39 years. And um, part of my testimony is I tell people I've been married twice to the same woman. Um, ten years of our marriage was uh, before Tony got saved. And then uh, the last 29 years has been a new Tony. Thank God. <laughs> um, like Rosie said, she was packing up and getting ready to leave. And uh, But the Lord intervened. And he made a new person out of me. And I thank God for that. What's new? All things have become new. Let's look at that this morning. The new things that are ours in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things are new. Well, what is it that we get, right, with this new life that we have in Jesus Christ? I know these things are basic, but I think it's good uh, to go over them. Uh, one of them, uh, turn with me, because if it wasn't written in Scripture, you'd have a hard time believing it. Uh, I want you to uh, turn to 1 Corinthians in, in chapter 2. And uh, verse 16. Now here Paul makes a dissertation about godly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. He talks about the spiritual man versus the natural man. And the Apostle Paul here says in, uh, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2 and verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Incredible, isn't it? Think about that for a minute. Think of the, think of the significance of that. I, I think as Christians, oftentimes we forget what God has given us. Think of this, brother and sister in the Lord. We have the mind of Christ. We have. The mind of Christ. It's incredible when you think of it. Um, when we when we think of that, the, um, we we start understanding different things, don't we? Um, 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians and in chapter 1, and, and, he, and he continues in chapter 2, that, um, that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who believe, it is the very power of God. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, last Sunday night, uh, many of us were out on the beach there in Hollywood. And uh, it's interesting, it always amazes me um, that when you talk to someone that doesn't have the mind of Christ, uh, the very elemental things that we, you and I, take for granted, they, they don't understand. Uh, I had a conversation with a couple of people at the beach last Sunday night, and um, I, I just had to, you know, I've been a Christian now for 29 years, and I have to remind myself, Tony, they do not understand. They can't see it. And uh, Paul says that uh, uh, woe is him if he doesn't preach the gospel, and he always would bring people to the cross of Calvary. And it, it, it says in many a times in the book of Acts that Paul reasoned with people. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though thy sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And you know, as we were reasoning last Sunday with others, uh, you, you realize they, 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 they don't even understand the very basics, as the little guy said with the microphone there. And Christ died for us too, you know. He went to the cross. But little kids can understand it. And uh, I spent a fair amount of time last Sunday talking about what happens to a pagan. Uh, and, and how their, their minds have become darkened. And they don't see it. And I think we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded they do not have what we have. And only by the grace of God... To those who oppose you, the scriptures tell you, you must gently instruct and hope that God will grant them repentance, leading him to the knowledge of the truth, and that they might escape from the trap of the devil who's held them captive to do his will. Remember, when you talk to someone, friend, that they are being held captive, their minds are darkened uh, by the God of this world. If any man be in Christ, is a new creation. We have the mind of Christ. So we understand. We understand. Isn't that a privilege? To understand the very cross of Calvary? We understand the necessity of the cross. You know, we, we, un we understand that there had to be substitution. We, we understand that there had to be blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. You know, someone said to me one time, you have a bloody religion. And that's true, we do, don't we? Because without the shedding of blood. But folks, you've got to understand, the people out there, they don't understand that. It doesn't matter, you reason with people. I, I reasoned with this young lady there last week, and uh, at the end of it all, I thought she might have understood where I was coming from, this substitution, that she was a sinner, that someone had to take her place, someone that was perfect. And I, I was mentioning to her from the religion background that I come from, I mentioned part of the Mass that is said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. And she couldn't see it. She didn't understand it. Even though she came from the same background that I came from. She, I said, you say it right in the Mass. Do you know what it means? Well, I'm a good person. 
right back to I'm a good person. Do you understand what I'm getting at, folks? Is that they do not have the mind of Christ. They don't understand the necessity of the gospel. They don't understand the the, the very uh, purpose of the cross of Calvary. They don't understand the power of the cross of Calvary. And they certainly don't know the person of the cross of Calvary. They don't know it. They don't know Him. Whom to know is life eternal. They don't understand that they don't see it. You know, friend, when you're witnessing to people, if you have to surround that witnessing with prayer. That God would break through those burials that would take away the scales from their eyes. If any man be in Christ, uh, they under we understand the cross. You know, here's another thing. Uh, here's here's something that that when Paul uh, writes in First Corinthians in chapter uh, uh, one, he says there's the mystery of wisdom, the mystery that when we have the mind of Christ, we get it. We are in on God's secrets. We're in. We're 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 part of His inner circle. That God has 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 hidden these things from the wise, but He's shown them to us. You know, friends, one of the things that God shows us through His Word that we understand, and in all due respect to psychology, you know what, folks, we understand the problem. It's true, isn't it? We understand the problem. We understand ourselves. For the first time in your life, when you become a Christian and you get the mind of Christ, you understand yourself. You understand that the problem is, look in the mirror, it's you. It's me. That's the problem. You know... We look at the world and, and psychology would say, well, if you just take a person and you put them in a different environment, they will change. And the only reason that you have people, and I'm in the prison ministry back in Canada, and the people, and you know, you go in there and you talk to prisoners. I do it on Sundays. And I'll tell you what, folks, it, it, it's always the same thing. You know, well, it, it, you know, you don't know the background that I come from. You don't understand, my mommy didn't love me, my daddy didn't love me. And listen, I'm not minimizing any of that. Don't get me wrong, folks. I understand there's scar tissue involved in people's lives. And, uh, you know, I, I understand all of that. But the Bible clearly teaches us that we're the problem. We're the problem. It's not the world in the sense that uh, that our, our surrounding environment that makes us who we are, folks, we are sinners. We are separated from God. We, all of our, fil all of our righteous acts are what like filthy rags in front of God. Because, folks, listen, when we have the mind of Christ, we understand who He is. We understand His glory, His holiness. We're separated from Him. We understand like Peter did when, when he was uh, at, the, at the side of the boat and Peter uh, was given a revelation of the power of Jesus Christ, the power of God. He said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Isaiah, when he saw the glory of Christ, 
John chapter 12. In Isaiah chapter 6, when he saw the glory of Christ, he said, Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. The Apostle Paul said this. I could have wrote this myself. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's my testimony, folks. O wretched man that I am. Folks, we understand ourselves. With the mind of Christ, we get a new worldview. We look at the world completely different, don't we? Don't we? Isn't it wonderful? Think of this, Christian, the privilege that you and I have. That we, we understand what's going on. We understand by reading the scriptures that we're not going to impact this world and change it. God doesn't want us to change the world. God wants us to go after individuals and, and have God change them. Because, folks, this world has an expiry date on it. So we don't put all our stock in it. When things go bad and you read the newspaper and you watch the news, does it shock, shock you? It's not going to get better. I was mentioning last week about your death, you know. Trillions. We throw that around like it's, it doesn't mean anything anymore. You're fifteen trillion dollars in debt, folks. That affects me. It affects my portfolio. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. You guys, you Americans, you affect us. You spend all that money and it hits us Canadians. It does, because we we're just a little country up there. We're bigger than you, but we're little in terms of population. And I'll tell you, when your dollar starts sinking, we're in deep trouble in Canada. But we, you know, I, I don't put all my stock in that, folks. Do you? Listen, we're strangers here. We're pilgrims. As our brother mentioned this morning, we're only passing through. This world is not my home. I always said I hated to be tested. I was a nervous wreck when I used to have to write exams. I used to call home to my dad and say, Dad, I, I can't stand it anymore. My dad always had this wonderful way of talking to me. Shut up, son. <laughs> I knew he loved me, but he'd tell me to shut up after I yapped for about 10 minutes and complained about everything and how tough it was. And I don't know if I could get through. And he'd say, shut up, son. And finish. Folks, listen. Shut up. You're in school. You're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. Because you're just in school. You haven't passed yet. This world for a Christian, folks, is just a test. That's all it is. It's a test. And you're not done yet. And until Christ comes and takes you home, you're not done yet. 
So you're going to have trouble. You're going to be tested. You're going to have trials. But we understand these things. Lots of things are new though, aren't they? He is a new creation. We have a, we have a new creation in Christ. We are... Um, um, it's unbelievable what we have with the, with the very mind of Christ. We understand who God is. Of course, we'll never completely, fully understand Him until we're with Him. I think it'll take eternity to comprehend the love, the greatness of our God. Here's another one. Something new. Lamentations 3 and 23 says, His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. You know what I love about our God? You get to start over every day. His mercies are new every morning. Isn't that true? Have you blown it? And God says, that's all right. We have an advocate. What a lawyer we have on our behalf. We have an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Who at this very moment, Christian, listen to this. At this very moment is doing what? He is making intercession for us right now. Your lawyer is talking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords right at this very moment and making intercession for us. How can we be ever be condemned with a lawyer like that? What an advocate we have. You know, Job, in, in, in Job chapter 9, once you get there, he you know the whole story, but you get to Job chapter 9 and Job is saying this. You know what? He said, I, I, I just got, I've got problems major problems, and you people are condemning me, and I can't plead my cause because there's no one in between God and me to, 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 to mediate between the two of us. The old King James calls it a days man. It's an umpire. That's what the word really means. Someone that will uh, take God's side and take my side and mediate between the two of them, folks. There is one mediator between God and man. And that is the God-man, Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? That we have a man to mediate between us? That there is a name I love to hear. I love to speak its worth. It sounds like music in mine ear. The sweetest name on earth. Folks, listen to me. Have you blown it? Are you looking at yourself right now and you're just saying, you know what, God, I'm not worthy. Folks, His mercies are new every morning. Come to Him. Confess to Him. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His mercies are new every morning. Romans 6 and 4 says, we walk in the newness of life. We walk in the newness of life. Friend, when we get saved, 
we have a new walk. We're off the broad road that leads to destruction, and now we're on the narrow road that leads to life. And literally, folks, to change, in, to, it's not just a fork in the road. We have this idea that we're on a broad road that leads to destruction, and then all of a sudden we go in, 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 uh, in a fork in the road. But you know what the meaning of this is? That when you're on a broad road that leads to destruction, when you get onto the narrow road, you know what happens? You're, you're, you're going with everybody this way, then all of a sudden you're going this way. That's what it means, folks. It means a 180 degree turn. It's not just that you've gone off to a, to the other side. God doesn't want you to branch off from the world and go away in a complete other direction. No, He doesn't. You know what God would have you do? Turn and go right at them. The people that are on a broad road that leads to destruction, you're going in a different direction, but you're going directly against the direction they're going. And folks, that's how people notice us. When we walk in the newness of life, we're on the, we're, we're, they're going in a completely different direction, but we're not separated from them in a sense. God didn't take us out of the world. God wants us to have an influence on individuals of the world. And folks, as you walk this way, and they're coming right at you every once in a while, you're going to bump into them. And they might just turn and take a glance and look at your life. And say, I want part of that. What's, the, what's that person got that I don't have? We need to walk in the newness of life. There's so much in that word walk. You know, we're, we're told in scriptures to walk carefully. As we walk, we need to walk carefully. We're told to walk in unity. I work at a radio station in, in Sudbury. Uh, my hometown, and we have a syndicated radio show that goes across in, uh, in, uh, in Ontario where I am. And you know what? Not everything on that station that Tony Martin enjoys. You know, it's a Christian radio station. And yes, they proclaim the gospel. But there's some stuff there that I, I, it bothers me, okay? Just me. But you know... I can still walk in unity with those folks. Why? Because they love Jesus Christ. They may not worship exactly the way I do. But you know, I can walk in... God doesn't want... He wants unity, not uniformity. We're all different. I think we're right. That's me. Okay? I think I can defend the practices of this assembly. And that's why I come here. I think I can defend it from Scripture. And uh, I spent three or four days uh, in this last week with, with the person that led me to Jesus Christ. I love that man dearly. That he had the fortitude as I cursed his name uh, 30 years ago. And he led me to Jesus Christ. And, you know, we spent a few days down here just before he went on a cruise yesterday. But we don't. See eye to eye on everything, you know. He's Pentecostal. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even go there anymore with him. Uh, you know, in speaking in tongues and, you know, different things. I, I just don't go in it. Because, first of all, 
It, what is it going to do? It's just an argument. I have my uh, belief system that, I'm, I, that I believe, you know, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know what? I believe that I, I am I'm on solid ground. You know what? With, with, with him or anybody else, for that matter, that doesn't believe exactly like me, I love them anyways. And we certainly love our Savior. And I owe that man my life. I, you know, I was looking at him the other day, and he had, and I, I, I mean it, I cursed him when he shared the gospel with me. I thank God for, for that. The walking in the newness of life. Walk in unity. Walk in love. Walk worthy of the calling. What else do we have new? Well, in uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10, it says we have new clothes. Now, you ladies like new clothes. It's a fact. <laughs> uh... I never experienced Black Friday until this Friday. <laughs> uh, that's not a Canadian thing, okay? We don't know what that is, okay? Uh, but uh, I, I, I was up early uh, on uh, Friday morning and um, watched the news for a minute. People were just about killing each other there, okay? Uh, now, they were going after electronics, I think, probably more than clothes, but folks... We get new clothes. Now, first of all, we get a covering by Jesus Christ that is never taken away. You never have to change it. And that is when God the Father looks at us right now, every one of us that are saved, we're covered in Christ. We have the garments of salvation. And they will never be removed, folks. And once you're saved, you're always saved. Covered by Him. But our responsibility is to change. And I invite you to read that uh, portion this afternoon. Go to First Corinthians, uh, Colossians chapter 3. It's also found in Ephesians uh, and uh, chapter 4 and 5. It's about changing clothes. And it's, we're told this. This is an exercise. It's our responsibility. We're to take off the old man and put on the new man, which was created in Christ in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians. So what is it, folks? It's we're constant. This is the day-to-day -day Christianity. You know what it is every day, folks? It's this. Well, remember, you're covered. You don't, have to, you don't have to get saved every day. But you need to be washed. Remember your fragrance. You know? And what is your fragrance? Well, you better change your clothes. I remember my mom. We were 11 kids at home. And uh, my mom was an inspector before we went to school. Meaning that she would literally be like this at the door as we marched out. The 11 of us. And my mom would sniff. Sniff. Us as we went by. 
Okay, you big lug. That was one of the things that my mother called me. I love my mother dearly. Don't get me wrong. She was a great mom, 11 kids. I get a headache just thinking about it. Okay? But uh, my mom, 11 kids would sniff. Okay, you big lug, get up. I told you to change that shirt. I couldn't smell it. That's the problem with B.O. You know what, folks? You don't smell it. Everybody else does. That's why you got to change your clothes all the time. And that's why even as Christians, we need to put on the new man. Every day, every day, every day. We're reminded in, the, in the, the tabernacle days in the desert, there was a big labor there. And you know what? It was, when, when the priest would, it, it says, wash your hands and wash your feet every day as the priest ministered. Why? Lest you die. And folks, we need to change our clothes. We need to put on righteousness and humility and love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. We need to put that on every day. Every day. You put on the new man. Take off the old clothes every day. You know, folks, we live in a dirty world. Uh, we live in a cesspool, folks. You're going to get dirty in this world. You know that? Just by being around sin. How can you avoid it? You can't even turn the TV on anymore, right? The commercials would make my grandmother blush, right? It doesn't matter where you go. Well, we live in a dirty world, so we got to wash every day. We got to clean, change. That's what's new. We need to change our clothes every day. Just remember that. Pretend that someone's sniffing you. As you leave the door in the morning, someone's sniffing you, going, hey, go change that clothes. You got anger? You got jealousy? You got the old person with you? You got your attitude that you think that you got the gift of discouragement and you go around telling people, oh, well, I can see you're gaining weight. And you think you got that as a gift. Maybe it's time to change your clothes. Let us encourage one another even more so as we see the day approaching. Change our clothes. That's what's new. We have a new song. I'll finish with this. We have a new song. Psalm 40. It's my favorite psalm. I waited patiently on the Lord. I have no patience. That's why it's my favorite song. I put it to memory years ago. Tony, you have no patience. My wife would attest to that. No patience. I got to put on the new Tony. Tony, love is patient. Okay, Lord, okay. Love is kind. But God has put a new song, right? Psalm 40. I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And he brought me out of a horrible pit. That's my story, folks. And he brought me out of that miry clay and sit, set my foot upon a rock. And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our Lord. And you know what? I'll tell you what my theme song used to be before I got saved. I Can't Get No Satisfaction by Mick Jagger. That was my theme song, folks. And I tried. And I tried. But you young folks are laughing at me going, who is Mick Jagger? 
Hey man, the Rolling Stones. But now Christ has given me a new song. He's put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Folks, lots of things are new, aren't they? There's a new commandment that we love one another. The Lord Jesus said, don't put any old wine skins into, into new ones. Don't put any old wine into new wine skins. And I could talk to you about that. But folks, lots of things are new. I want you to leave here this morning thinking of this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And oh, if there may be one person in here today that's never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you're having troubled understanding. Oh, I'd love to be able to reason with you today. To show you from the Word of God that you could be saved and you could be new. You know what? That's what got me. And I'll tell you, my friend was... Uh, 29, 30 years ago, was sharing the gospel with me. Tony, come to Christ just as you are. He will do the changing. Because I tried to change. I couldn't change. I had no power to change. He just kept telling me, come to Christ the way you are. He will change you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, O God, for your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we can know him. Whom to know is life eternal. I pray for each and every one that's come this morning, Father. Again, every heart in this room, Father, and every hurt, you certainly know them. You've said, Lord Jesus, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And, oh, Father, thank you for the new things that are ours in Christ. All things have become new. The old has passed away. Oh, God. What a wonderful God you are. Father, I do pray there may be one here this morning, you know every heart, that maybe has never trusted in Christ, that this might be the day of salvation for them. Today is the day of salvation, the Lord declares. And, oh God, you're the one that has to do the work, Father. We just proclaim the message, Father, on your behalf. So, Father, part us now with your blessing, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.